Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. stories in the Bible ruffle our feathers. They're difficult to understand or sometimes to swallow. Some of the stories in the Bible are mysterious or inexplicable. Sometimes they create anguish or terror. Today I'm going to put before you a really challenging story regarding the behavior of Jesus. As with everything Jesus ever said, or maybe I should say that the gospel writers record him as having said 30 or 40 or 50 years before they wrote it down, everything Jesus ever said involves some guesswork on our part. For who knows the mind of Christ, right? Some of what we receive in Scripture we must assemble and draw connections with other parts of Scripture with and, of course, receive by faith. Today, we find Jesus apparently disparaging a Gentile woman who is pleading for mercy. Specifically, she's pleading for his help with her daughter who is tormented by some kind of demon. Well, I want you to hear this story as Matthew tells it, and then I'll offer a word on what I think it can mean for us. 
But let's pick it up here in the 15th chapter of Matthew's Gospel account, beginning with the 21st verse. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer this woman at all. And his disciples came, and they urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came, and she knelt before Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. That's when Jesus answered her, saying, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed instantly. Well, there you have it, a really fascinating exchange between Jesus and an unnamed Gentile woman whom we're told in the end has great faith. So here's my sense of what might be happening in this scene. Take a listen. Well, I happen to be fascinated by people throughout history who do not quit when it comes to standing up for a just cause. I'm awed, I really am, by the dogged persistence, by the perseverance of those who are unwilling to sit still when the world behaves unjustly. There's so many people, little people, ordinary people, throughout all ages of history who make a difference for others by pleading, often unrelentingly, for some moral or civic or personal good. Maybe it's a tenacity or a a, a stamina that I just don't know if I would have uh, under the same circumstances. So maybe that's why I think these are spectacular people. I don't know. But all I have to do is think of the thousands of people who are wrongly incarcerated and who year after year after year work with groups like the Innocence Project to try to find some justice and to seek their own exoneration. Or Latin American women over the decades, you know, who gather every single day outside the justice ministry pleading for some information about their husbands or sons who disappeared under this dictator or that dictator. It's just awesome tenacity. I think of people around the globe who plead for peace because they're just ducking from every next shell mortar fire. I think of women in different religious traditions and faith traditions who are just pleading for a voice, a chance to be heard in a way that might be equal to men. Today I'm thinking about this woman named Clara Looper. She's kind of an icon of the civil rights movement. Beautiful lady. I wish 
I had known her. She died in 2011. But I'm thinking about her because it was 65 years ago this weekend. August 19, 20, 21, 1958. That this black teacher of history in the local high school for four decades, she organized a group of children for a sit-in at the Katz drugstore lunch counter. And she organized kids, this is a year and a half before the famous four college guys in Greensboro, North Carolina, but she organized these children under the assumption that people won't spit on them or kick them or pour food on them. They spent their entire day, these 13 kids, two of which were her own, one of which you saw pictured a moment ago with Clara. These 13 kids spent their entire day sitting at that lunch counter until the drugstore closed. And they were not served the basic hamburger and Coke for which they had ordered, of which they'd ordered. Finally, on the third day, they did receive service. Clara Looper, she didn't ever quit advocating for civil rights. She was this little woman who just had all of this wonderful energy, this beautiful advocacy and force to her. She, she marched at Selma on Bloody Sunday and she got all beaten up. She, she, marched, she was part of the March on Washington in 1963. By the way, they've named the post office in Oklahoma City after Clara Looper. Well, she ran for a Senate seat. She didn't win by any stretch. And during that candidacy, uh, the press asked her one day if, in fact, she believed that she could represent white people. And she had this great line. It's kind of in the annals of American history. She said, I can represent white people and black people and red people and yellow people and brown people. I can even represent polka dot people because I've been around long enough to know people are people. Well, when people display a kind of dogged persistence in the fight for something that's good, it might be fundamental human rights, it might be for a worthy cause that's very dear to them, we should pay attention. Well, we have one of those individuals, and she's in our Bible reading for today. If you don't know this story, listen up closely, because this woman is one of only two in the New Testament. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. She's only one of two whom Jesus praises for having great faith. Plenty of people like you and me, including the disciples with small or puny faith, this is only one of two. This woman, a Syrophoenician Canaanite woman, and a centurion, both of them non-Jews, these are the two that Jesus praises as having great, big faith. She comes to Jesus pleading for her daughter, who's evidently tormented by a demon, and you can use your imagination what that means. She's a Gentile. She has nothing to do with the Jewish community. She comes from this region north of Galilee. And she came to Jesus because she knew that Jesus had something that she needed. She knew that he had the power somehow to help her. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter needs help. Now, she wouldn't take no for an answer. She's unrelenting. She's not going to quit 
pleading until she gets some kind of response to her hope. Have you ever prayed that way? You know, kind of incessantly hoping that the Lord might hear you. Well, Jesus, he actually snubs her. He gives her the silent treatment. He doesn't respond at all when she pleads for mercy. That's when the disciples step in, almost as if to cut off Jesus, fearful that he might be tempted to cater to her or favor her or deal with her. And because they're uncomfortable around her, they said, send her away, which is what we tend to do with people around whom we're uncomfortable. We don't want them particularly in our sight. Jesus, he seems to support the disciples there in their desire to move her along. I was only sent to serve and attend to the lost sheep of Israel, Jesus says. In other words, my mission is to the Jews and not to this nobody from this other different land, this nameless Syrophoenician woman. She's undeterred. She's not going to take no for an answer. She's not going to uh, have rejection from Jesus be her final word. And I want to say that she digs in her heels, but that's not a metaphor that works because she kneels at the feet of Jesus. And she says again, Lord, help me. Which can't be any clearer than that. I think of the song by the contemporary Christian composer Matt Mayer. We sing it here sometimes in our open spirit service. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Well, Jesus then lets loose with an insult. It's a pretty shocking insult. He says, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. There should be one word in your head right now. That word would be ouch, because it stings. This is the most derogatorily that Jesus speaks in, in the Gospels. He, he's our beautiful Savior, our fairest Lord Jesus. He's not speaking with charity here. Dogs, when referred to in the New Testament, typically refer to enemies of the faith. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Her response? Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall under the master's table. Essentially telling Jesus, well, then treat me like a dog, if you wish. Because I know there's a whole world beneath that table. And other people have made a feast of those crumbs underneath that table, and I might do just the same. Now, when Jesus heard this come out of the woman's mouth, he says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. The word there in Greek is mega, like enormous, enormous huge. 64-ounce drink cup size. Your faith is large. Whatever you wish, Jesus tells her, consider it done. What's happening here? Jesus has changed his mind. Yes, he has changed his mind. He's willing to listen to a woman without any particular social standing and learn from her. He recognized truth when he saw it in this woman, 
who deserved to be part of a flock that was much larger than the one that he believed he had been sent for? You may ask, well, could Jesus really change his mind? According to the story of the Incarnation, he is fully human. He started out as an embryo. Once born, there came a day when he learned to walk. He learned a language. He developed as a human being. And like all of us who learn and grow, he was capable of changing his mind, we must presume. So in this story of ours about this Syrophoenician woman, we see Jesus learn something new. And as a result, he becomes someone different. Think about this. This is something we want for ourselves. Jesus learns something from someone new whom he expected to learn nothing from, and he becomes different from the encounter. Now, I know that the whole idea of God changing God's mind, even in Jesus Christ, that this, this makes a lot of people nervous. Never mind that there's a numbers of incidents Instances in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, where God, in fact, changes God's mind, pulls back, doesn't levy the wrath that God planned for. God possesses a capacity to see things and see the truth differently. And it causes God to act differently than God may have first intended. It might make even you nervous, but you know, God can be untidy. And God doesn't always fit the tight frameworks that we have constructed because we have this instinct for miniaturizing God. Pretty eager sometimes to declare who's in, who's out, who's kosher, who's not, who is acceptable, who's an abomination. If the faith in Jesus from this Canaanite woman, if her faith is strong enough to overcome the snubbing of Jesus, well then the church, which is what we are, who follows this Jesus, we also must look for and expect to find faith existing outside of our boundaries, our circumscribed norms and expectations. Finding all kinds of people who may not look like us or think like us still be acceptable to God. Jesus learns something from this woman and her persistence, and he becomes someone different in the process. Oh, the gift of being able to evolve, to discover, to grow, to change. One of the high privileges in ministry for me is living with people like you, where we learn new things about each other and about this world we inhabit, and we change. We change our thinking as we pursue the truth. How many people among us, how many of us have such a, a, a tightly circumscribed understanding of God that, that, that people who are different from us, socially challenged people, mentally challenged people, gay individuals, individuals who who just don't have fundamental material resources that you may take for granted. People who seem strange or foreign to us because of their ethnicity. People who don't think like us. They don't make the cut in our minds of who is really acceptable within the fold of God. 
But when we change our minds, or we're open to flexing our minds as we pursue the truth of the Lord, it is a beautiful thing. When we face that choice, you know, between rejecting another person or revising our beliefs, how beautiful it is to reconsider our beliefs such that we don't have to reject that person. We all have our demons. We all have our little quiet prejudices that we aren't even aware of. We all have our exclusive behaviors that aren't front and center, but they're somewhere in the recesses of our heads. But we need to have a faith that is humble enough and that is strong enough to be able to stand up to our own minds. When that mind of ours is just too small, too narrow, and it thinks too offensively. We are not meant to remain as we are. We come into this place as we are in order that Christ Jesus might make us into people whom we're meant to be. That's the whole project of faith and Christian community. That Katz drugstore chain, you know, Oklahoma City, something changed in the minds of those waitresses on the third day or among the corporate execs who might have made the decision, I don't know where it came from, to serve the hamburgers and the Cokes. The kids had a comeback for the assumption that they had always been led to believe that the crumbs under the table are for them. Their comeback was to sit there, doggedly, persistently, undissuaded by whatever people did to them until the store closed and reopened and closed and reopened and they were fed. Jesus says to this persistent woman in our story today, O woman, your faith is great. May each of us, regardless of this mustard seed size faith that we might have been given, may each of us learn the power, the significance, the gift of being able to change our minds and flex our wills as we pursue the, 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 the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen.
invite you to pray with me as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Well, may God give you confident faith, humble faith, that's strong enough to stand up to your own mind when it needs to be changed. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you today and always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast. <music>